when you travel by road in the west, you travel with a cohort of dust which streams up from your tires and rolls away in a disintegrating funnel, defining the currents of air your vehicle sets in motion. And the heat is unthinkable, no matter how widely the windows are open and the sweat streams off your body and into your socks. And if there, and if there are a number of people in the car, their body stenches mingle disagreeably. <laughs> Kenneth Cook, wake and fright. Nice! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, dear Bushman. And uh, this here is another episode of the Outback's favorite, Loathsome Things, a horror movie podcast about the bush. Nice. My name is John, and with me as always is my co-host, Josh. Josh, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing quite well, John. John, did you know that there is a genre of poetry known as (sighs) bush poetry? I did. I was researching it right before I uh, got on. (laughs) (laughs) I used to listen to an Australian poetry podcast, and they talked about bush poetry, and apparently it is to Australia what cowboy poetry is over here. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I read read some actually some pretty cool ones. There's a classic one called The Outback, which was actually pretty well written, and then there were a few that were not so well written. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, whenever, whenever you get a guy that's been baked in the sun, sometimes he's, that'll help him get to the liminal poetic stage, and other times he's just gonna die. <laughs> he's gonna wake up in the yabba. <laughs> oh no, not the yabba. <laughs> Yeah, so uh so yeah, this movie is wild. It was a lost film for a long time. They couldn't find the original really good cinematic cut. They could just find the shitty made for TV American censored versions. Mm. Mm-hmm. What did they censor, you might wonder, John? <laughs> it's it's hard to say. It's all family friendly. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, the American TV version which I believe was 4 minutes long if I remember correctly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mostly just a woman watering herself in front of a fan. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the director of this film, which, by the way, was shot uh, in 1971, and I think it was released in 71, uh, mm. Ted Kotcheff, who uh, isn't a Canadian, another Canadian. Yeah. And, uh, you know, who better to direct a film about the Outback? But, he, hey, he did a great job. Uh, he's also the director of First Blood and North Dallas 40. Oh, uh, and Weekend at Bernie's? Oh my god, that's the same guy. Oh my god. Yep. And Don't hold it against him. He topped off his career by being the executive producer for 286 episodes of Law & Order Special Victims Unit. Wow. So he's, yeah. he's a lifer. Well, good for him. Oh yeah. Yeah, this guy has been directing since the 50s. Wow. Yeah, the uh, wow. The script was written by uh, what was described in the trivia on IMDb as an Anglo-Jamaican. Uh, <laughs> the fantastic, yeah. Just of course, in the, case you were worried, <laughs> <laughs> was based on the book by Kenneth Cook. That was his first book, and uh, yeah, like you said, there, the the movie was lost for years. There was a final, like 
the remaining only print that anyone has ever found that the uh, editor, Anthony Buckley, hunted down. And apparently they were just about to destroy it, whoever had it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was like one week away from getting scrapped. It is... It uh, predates uh, Deliverance, which is a kind of similar-toned movie about p- city people way out of their league uh, yeah. by a year. And uh, it's got Do- the amazing Donald Pleasance in it. Um, Incredible. He's fantastic in this. Does a great Aussie uh, accent, much better than mine. And uh, <laughs> actual Aussie Gary Bond is the main character. He was in the only movie I'd heard of that he was in before that was uh, Zulu. And uh, see that I I read that he was English and that his name was Gary Bond. Maybe he is English. What did I say, Gary? What blonde? Some, blonde. Blonde. <laughs> Gary Blonde. Gary Bond. <laughs> yeah, he... Uh, oh, and I guess maybe he is in, uh, English. Indish. Who Indish. Knows? Yeah, who can yeah. say, really? Yeah, uh, all the same thing, really. Apparently this was his last film role. Can't imagine why. And then he nope. moved on to television. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you know what? I just want to get my wiener out there one time. <laughs> uh, the town that it's shot in, I forget the actual name, but it was not Bundanyaba. Yeah. That was a made-up name. Bundanyaba and Tebunda all both apparently do not exist. <laughs> yeah, which is good because so, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yes, please don't exist. The the verite element of this film is is very very overwhelming. It's, I mean, it really has almost at times a found footage feel to it. It's 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 and it's extremely disturbing. I mean, I. I, I, now I recognize how much of a horror film it is. I remember at the time, the first time I saw it, I was like, it's kind of a horror film. <laughs> it's like, no, it's pretty much a straight-up horror film in yeah. its own way. Yeah, I, I'm going to argue the opposite direction. In I'm going to argue at the end, we'll, we'll probably cover it. I'm going to argue that it is not a horror film, even in the slightest. Interesting. I could see yeah. that. I mean, that's a... Yeah, yeah cool. Nice. There, there are arguments to be made both ways. That's true. That's <laughs> yeah. true. Uh, uh, let's go ahead and do a content warning. If you yeah. don't want to see animals, uh, uh, specifically anthropomorphic animals like kangaroos, or very specific, specifically just kangaroos, uh, horrifically mutilated for the sake of cinema... Don't watch this movie because uh, that's the that's the big spoiler. Spoiler alert: uh, This movie includes a big uh, big segment where it, you're just watching actual footage of kangaroos being shot uh, poorly to the point that instead of just dying quickly, they are in fact suffering, dragging parts of their bodies behind them as they try to get away. Um, yeah. It was, yes. Yeah. Yeah, there's a producer's note at the end of the film that tries to justify the footage, which is actual footage of a government-sanctioned culling yeah. uh, to try and control the population. But it's it's it looks pretty by the seat of the its fucking pants. It's just a spotlight in the middle of nowhere and just kangaroos, as you say, dragging their dead body parts around with them. It's it's really hard to watch. And uh, if if you think it that might bother you, it will, and don't watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I I 
Wow, yeah. I struggled to get through that part a second time because I wanted to be able to report what I had seen accurately, but like the first time you're watching it through, you're like, oh wow, I wonder how they did these special effects. These practical effects look a little bit too real. That doesn't mm. seem... And then you're like, oh no. Oh, what am I watching? Oh god. Yeah. So yeah, Ted's Ted's excuse for this, he's like, look, it, this we didn't kill kangaroos for my movie. They were already going to do it. I overheard that they were going to go on a hunt, so we just went along. We definitely didn't pay these dudes or provide them with alcohol or in any way egg them on to more and more horrific brutality. We just followed them around with beer and cameras. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everything was on the level and absolutely humane. Yeah, yeah. We asked the local Australian white people, and they were like, yeah, please do show how awesome this is. <laughs> yeah, I think there was, what, one Aboriginal person in the entire movie? Yeah, yeah. Two. There was two. That's right, that's right, yeah, yeah. Um, which, yeah, this movie... <laughs> Because the so, rest so, were yeah. rounded up and shot with a spotlight, basically. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, like, one guy on the train off by himself just trying to not get obliterated by a, a crowd of raging, drunk white dudes. Wow. It's, uh, if, you, if you're the kind of person who's ever found himself at a bar and, you know, the bar is full of very macho white dudes drinking a lot, and you really just feel out of place in, in that environment, this movie is the epitome of that experience. Yeah. Um, and I've had that experience many times, and I don't like it at all. Yeah, no, definitely, like, get me out of here. Which is why the first time you, you like, there's another there's another fellow there that seems to share your opinion of the whole thing, you, you, lo you know, lock on to that dude, like, hey, you, buddy, you're all right, and oh, boy, are you wrong. <laughs> Oh, oh, how wrong you are. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, just eat your steak in silence. <laughs> Whew. Jeez. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be uh, unlike an easy movie to talk about. Um, <laughs> it's, there's yeah. plenty to talk about. I would, I would recommend that if you are upset by animal violence, maybe don't watch the movie. Listen to us describe it first, but you basically already heard it. It's bad. Yeah, also, Ray. Rape is not is not if that un makes you uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's in this movie. Basically, if if you're sensitive to that kind of stuff, just don't watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, like no, it's pretty transgressive. Yeah, like no joke. I mean, it's it's this is not going to be for everybody. And I, uh, you know, I mean, we're 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 going to try to have fun talking about it. But you know, the watching the scene with the kangaroos, and I've seen you know I'd seen the movie already, so I knew. Uh, I couldn't watch it, you know? I just was like, there's no reason for me to watch this again. I've already seen it. You know, I'd, I'd glance at the screen and see something horrible, and it was just like, I, I can't. I gotta just, like, yeah. I, I can't do that. And I understand, you know, the situation. I understand that, you know, although population control is not necessarily a natural thing, it's a way that people try to balance the scales because they create this environment where kangaroos breed out of control, and then they recognize that, you know, that's a problem. So they do these cullings. But 
there's no reason for you to think that what is depicted in the film is really that much different from how these things actually go down. You know, it's you know, it's not a bunch of guys in like you know municipal suits and like you know government issued guns that are like, all right, now let's all go and make sure you only get your ten ruse. Like, yeah, it's just a fucking free for all. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, it's it's a massacre. Yeah. It's uh. It's very upsetting. Yeah, and it does not hold back. I mean, it, it it's a long section. It's a couple scenes worth, really. Yeah, and then and then you hear how, like, because they also, they have kangaroo wrestling, and the way they did that was they found the angriest, oldest, sickest, like, sickliest kangaroo, and then they had two guys hang on to the kangaroo's tail while the actor actually wrestled the front of the kangaroo. Is that what they did? Yes! That's horrible. It's fucked up, dude. <laughs> this movie is so fucked up. Ted wow. Coach, a f- famous vegetarian. Uh, like, so the point of this is to showcase the horrificness of, of uh, masculinity in Australia, which is why you get a Canadian director and a British and American film crew to go over to Australia to make fun of how bad Australians are. And apparently it really hit home with Australians because they were very upset about this movie, uh, probably because they recognized that it's a pretty accurate portrayal of the way men can be in these kinds of situations where, you know, the social norms are gone and uh, they're, yeah. they're back to some sort of weird, just... Oh, it's creepy. But uh, one of Nick Cave's favorite films, which I thought was interesting. Oh, so neat. There's one Australian who likes it. Yeah. <laughs> I bet Mel Gibson thinks it's cool. Yeah, he probably does. Yeah. I just keep telling him, I think that Rue is a Jew. Oh, no. <laughs> Did you say Kanga Jew? <laughs> Let's get him. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. <sighs> All right. So, with that, we're going to we're going to kick it off. We're going to we're going to dive into The Outback, which is what this movie was called on TV. That's right. Join us as we enter the bush. The movie opens on desolate Tabunda, where there is nothing but a schoolhouse, a train stop, and a bar slash gas station slash hotel. There, John Grant is leaving Tabunda for Sydney. He is the local school. He's the entire school. He's every teacher. The children file out of the class, and some of them are like, Thank you, Mr. Grant. There's one guy that's like, See you next year, mate. Come and have a beer. (laughs) And then all of the children leave this schoolhouse and I guess just wander off into the desert to die because (laughs) it opens on a panning shot that shows that there is nothing but red sand for miles in every direction. This is when they call it a two a two building town. It is literally a two building town. Yeah, yeah. The what what they call a train station is what they used to hang people on. That's right. It's a scaffolding. <laughs> yeah. Um. So so John Grant is leaving for the for the Christmas break. This is the middle of beautiful summer Australian Christmas. Um. He'll be back next school year unless he can figure out a way of avoiding it. We find this out because he drinks with the barkeep slash innkeep slash gas station attendant where he lives 
and um, the guy is just like like John Grant is just like in pristine condition. He's he's wearing a suit. There's not a drop of sweat on him. He's perfectly shaved. Everything is like his tan lines are in all the right places. He is good to go. And this guy that runs the place is just just all pure body oil. <laughs> That's right. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, it. Yeah. So he he boards a train. He's planning to go to Sydney, but in order to get to Sydney, you first have to go to Bundiaba, which is uh, the local town where he's gonna get in a plane that'll take him to Sydney. Uh, the train is full of drunk white guys and a single quiet Aborigine. Uh, he falls asleep and dreams about rubbing a bottle of beer betwixt his girlfriend's tits whenever she gets out of the fresh, fresh beach. <laughs> That's right, the the Sydney beach. It's real textury too. Like it shows like the the lip of the bottle dragging along her skin and it doing like a little flip 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 on her on the texture of her skin. Um he gets off on Sulfide Street in big city Boondayaba. Um we learned that the locals love the Yabba and want you to love the Yabba too. If if uh if you're sick of the word Yabba, well <laughs> got Bad news for you. It's a lot of yabba. Uh, a watery-fingered hotelier makes him uh, give a $1 deposit for his keys. He's going to be spending the night at this hotel so he can get his plane in the morning. He heads to a bar, meets Jock, the local law enforcement idiot. Uh, Jock gets him drinking and shows him the the ropes of the yabba. Um uh, at a certain point, they go to, uh, to a different place to get him a steak because he's starting to get drunk and needs to grease up that tum. <laughs> um, while they're getting him a steak, uh, John sees the, quote, biggest two-up game in all of Australia. Uh, that's a game where two coins are flipped and either they both come up heads or they both come up tails. Uh, and and you bid on which one. If it they come up with one of each, then it's a push, and you just start it over again. So you have a 50-50% chance. It's the stupidest fucking game in the whole goddamn world, and people are just crowding around it. It did. I, I did finally get to understand how, like, craps work. Like, I understand, like, back alley craps. Now, I've not been able to put it all together. This helped me understand an uh, element of it, but it is the dumbest game in the world. I like when the so guy, he, he says, what do you do yeah. What do you do with your winnings? And he's like, what do you mean? It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, oh, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> what are you, an idiot? <laughs> Um, so, so just about this time, Jock leaves, uh, a, you know, John sits down, John is also being called Jack because, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so as soon as Jock leaves, we see that, um, that, that John is sat across from a, a fellow wearing a suit who is also very sweaty and his name is Doc. And so as soon as Jock enters, he's replaced with Doc and, um, Doc says, all the little devils are proud of hell. And that gets John like, oh, a, f a fellow not fan of the Yabba. And they get to talking. We hear Doc, uh, he has a pragmatic view of the Yabba. Like, oh, well, you know, only the, the fortunate get to judge things. And he's been making notes every time the two-up game changes. A guy brings him a fresh beer and he says... 
Um, it's a spinner's night, nearly two to one on heads, and that sets the next part of the movie in motion. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So John is, has uh, decided that he's actually going to start playing this game, which he was pretty much ridiculing earlier. But, you know, yeah. he just had a stake put in his gut, and so he's doing all right. Um, he he uh, joins the gambling, and not only does he join the gambling, he gets to be the guy who tosses the two coins off of the piece of wood or whatever the fuck it is. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, but he, he goes to throw the coins. Fair go. And, uh, <laughs> Fair go. and he throws throws the coins not high enough, thinks he wins big on tails. Uh, well, yeah, no, he wins. He wins there, doesn't he? He wins. He wins a bunch yeah. of money there and he gets extremely he ends up with like four hundred dollars. That's right. He gets very excited. He runs off takes his money and runs off to his room to count his winnings and uh, one more winning spin and he's he doesn't have to teach anymore he can buy out his his weird uh indentured Bond. yeah bonded servitude that you you get into to become a bush teacher because apparently yeah. nobody likes it so <laughs> you lose your money if you leave so uh you have to put down a deposit on your job that's fucked up that's, yeah, I, I can see why so yeah. he, he's he's got he only needs a certain amount of money he, he, basically to make up the thousand and then he doesn't have to teach anymore. So he goes back like an idiot and uh, immediately loses four hundred on the next spin, and uh, that's all the cash that he has. So he goes and cashes a check for two hundred and ninety Australian dollars. Uh, bets on heads. He wants to bet on tails because tails is his winning thing. But you can't do heads when you're the coin flipper. So yeah. then he's now is betting on heads after it, whatever. It's a stupid game. Yeah. So he bets on <laughs> it's heads. The worst game. Yeah. He loses all of his money. So he is literally broke. He has nothing. Uh, we cut to John, who's now back in his hotel room, butt ass naked, uh, laying on his bed. He gets up. You get a nice dong shot. He's completely drenched. Just. The way I would look in that situation, just soaked yeah. from head to toe. His whole body is shining. He he looks like Lon Chaney Jr. in Spider Baby. And uh, <laughs> yes. so he uh, checks out of the hotel. He's obviously has taken a shower and he checks out, you know, gives the key back to the the lady, the finger water lady. And yes. uh, she's so weird. And then... Um, he goes to the labor exchange, which is closed, so he's now stuck in uh, the Yaba. The Yaba? We cut to a shot of an evil Santa Claus going... Rrr, 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 rrr. It is! It's so evil! <laughs> it's just taunting and terrifying. Uh, he goes to this bar, and an another bar, he meets a guy named Tim Hines, who, and this is going to be a shock, he insists that John drink. <laughs> yes. the the amount that these people like they're the scene where he's in the gambling place with jock and he, he'll drink a beer and the guy's watching him with his hand out like as yeah. soon as he finishes the beer the guy takes a glass out of his hand and goes and gets him another beer like yeah and apparently that dude refused to drink fake beer throughout that movie he insisted on oh. real beer what the 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 sheriff dude or yeah, or the sheriff oh dude. yeah apparently he he they said he drank about 30 pints a night during the shoot of that movie that's fantastic i mean to be fair 
tiny little cups. It's it's like they're drinking beer punch. That's true. If they're drinking middies, then it's not so bad. (laughs) Yeah, no, if someone introduced a full-size mug to them like you might get at Outback Steakhouse, that would have been a game changer (laughs) in this in this era. So the the, the beauty of the MIDI, at, at, you know, you, you'd think that the idea behind the MIDI would be, oh, well, it's just, you just want to have a beer and kind of be social, you know, but you don't want to get crazy or whatever. No, the idea behind the MIDI is, MIDI is because it's so small, there's no reason to not have more. Yeah. And so that is your entire open door to have 30 of them in a night. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you're not going to sit there and sip on it. You're going to drink it down. Yeah, there is no sipping your beer. If you do that, you're going to get hurt. Yeah. The place is, the place is frightening. Uh, so he meets this Tim Hines clown, and they get super fucking drunk. They play this weird version of pool that has, like, it's like bumper pool or something. Yeah. It's like, it's like foosball pool. And then there's all this talk about, what are you, Freemason, are you? Okay. Okay. And then they go to Tim's place for lunch. Tim has a nice house, and uh, yes, he does. Tim's off. I guess he's off pinching a link or something because he's gone for quite a while. And uh, John steals a cigarette and meets Heinz's daughter Jeanette, who is a little strange looking, but that's okay. And she's not real impressed with her dad's lifestyle. Um, Certainly does not join in in the drinking and put it that way, but. Uh, women really are kind of an afterthought in the Yabba, as far as I can tell. Um, From what I can pick up, I think Jeanette is dead inside. <laughs> yes, I think that. I think so. Her 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 <laughs> mode of communication is rape. <laughs> Gosh, it's fucking movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> So her job is to make sandwiches for them, which she doesn't do. She ends up hanging out kind of semi-talking to John. Um, and then uh, they start, they drink, whatever. We cut to later in the day. Tim and John are completely passed out on the couches when Dick and Joe arrive, who are... Yeah. Like, I don't Like, I think Dick was about nine feet tall, and Joe was about 12 feet tall, if I understand correctly. They... Were they, they were gargantuan men, just and enormous. Already, probably already drunk when they arrived, and then they all start drinking more, of course, for just yeah. like just tying one on. Like if you've ever tied one on and thought, well, I can't believe I, I can't believe I did that. These guys do that every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what there's a line in here about how it the the Yabba water is only for washing your clothes. <laughs> If you're thirsty, you drink more beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're they're all getting super, you know, just beyond drunk. And in the meantime, John is has back, backed off and he's just chilling with Jeanette. Of course, you know, that's supposed to show that he's like somehow semi-sensitive or something, which is basically translated into she's forced to have to sit there while he tells her his entire sob story and she doesn't get to oh say anything. God. And the dog. Yeah. The dog is there as well. Um, uh, that dog that they manhandle later. Yeah, this this movie has problems. Um, yes. Tim is a little upset because, uh, is it Tim? No, not Tim. Dick is a little upset, I like, because at one point he says something like, what's wrong with him? Why does he rather talk to a woman than drink beer? Yeah. It's like, yes, you moron. 
<laughs> he goes, ah, he's a school teacher. Yeah. And they're like, oh. oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Uh, yeah. So that happens. Um, oh, God, this movie is amazing. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So Doc shows up. Doc Titan. Uh, Donald Pleasant's Doc shows up. He's ready to drink. They're going to drink even more. And eventually it devolves into card playing. Uh, Jeanette and John break away. Uh, they're going to go take a walk. And uh, Dick is not thrilled about this. That's where they have that little... Uh, I think there's another little interaction about it. He's like looking out the window, kind of like, hmm. And yeah. uh, then they, they walk out into like the filthy, dusty bush. And she lays on her back and and just starts making these horrible, heavy breathing, moaning sounds. And then, as I put it, before they rut, John hurls. He just, he like rolls over on top of her like he's trying to control himself. And then he's just like, Bleh. and then right before they're about to do it, he jumps up and just barfs his life out of his, out of his body. It's, it's so horrible. And then Jeanette does this weird moan cry. This... <laughs> and then she gets up and helps him and wipes the puke off his chin. Yeah. She has a convenient puke napkin in her in her dusty uh what i can only imagine is a dressed speci- a dress specifically designed to fuck in dust <laughs> yes, it's exactly what it is it's a dust fucker yeah <laughs> there's nothing that she's wearing nothing underneath it it's a dust fucker nope. with puke pockets for like puke rags <laughs> You just lay down in the dust, allow a little plume of sand to billow up around you, and then open up the front and you're ready to go. You're ready for a bush fuck. Oh, man. Yeah, and he just can't hold his shit. So, yeah, she she freaks out. She is like, uh, uh, fine. Uh, they go back in... Um, He's he gets the puke wiped off him. They go in. John gets altogether too drunk now. That we get all of these interspersed scenes of like his memories flashing onto weird things happening, flashing onto other weird things happening. At a certain point, we see Doc and Jeanette looking into each other's eyes while carrying him. <laughs> And uh, he wakes up the next uh, morning, or I should say the next afternoon, I think, yeah. in Doc's shed. Um, he's missed his flight altogether. Uh, Doc offers him some kangaroo slop, explains his trampish anarchic lifestyle. Uh, he says the great line, if Jeanette were a man, she'd be in jail for rape. Jesus Christ. Oh, man. Because... <sighs> Rape, as you know, is uh, wanting to have sex. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you should describe Doc's shed just for a shack or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's... um. Imagine, you know, the, the wavy sheets of corrugated steel. It's basically one of those. It's just... It's just the worst. It's, but it has a working refrigerator in it, which from what I can tell is the only thing that operates in the whole place. And uh, and it's it's uh, it's full of beer. 
Uh, he's eating, he has like a, you know, like a skillet and, and the, the kangaroo slop basically looks like chunky refried beans and, and he eats it with a spatula and then he just grabs handfuls of loose sliced bread, just white, like Mrs. Baird style. And is just, just sopping up all of the kangaroo paste with the bread and eating it like an insane person oh my god uh corn not a corn roux hash <laughs> yes yeah hashed roux yeah there's no fans there's no cross breeze there's like one like uh interrogation style dangle light from the ceiling i don't know what that place is but it is it is a monstrosity of a set i don't know where they found it um, yeah somebody probably lives in that fucking thing <laughs> yes yeah there is an outhouse outside of the house but he recommends against using it why don't you just go pee on <laughs> old abandoned car husks yeah this this nightmare hellscape that i live in is uh really really horrible oh did you want to use the outhouse i wouldn't go in there (laughs) you should probably not (sighs) um uh, uh, he goes on and on oh yeah so the rape thing like we we saw her sexual practice she is lay down open up let something happen and then he's going on and on about sex life. He talks about her forever, like the way that she has appetites and the way that she, you know, in the Yabba, there's like 10 men for every woman. And maybe she just likes to have sex with whoever, whenever she wants that rapist. God bless fucking hell. Uh, anyway, now it's time to go kangaroo hunting with the boys. The uh, the Dick and Joe from earlier show up. They have a a modified crazy car. It's fucking awesome. It, or it started as an awesome car. They they like ripped the top off of it. They attached a spotlight to the top, and the back is just a a wooden carpentry hammered together like dumpster for them to throw uh, kangaroo bits in. Um, (laughs) Good lord. It's a Ruben. It is. It's a Rubicon. Whoa. That's a terrible joke. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So so hunting kangaroos starts with letting the dog out to run one down. Lots of drinking. And uh, hitting kangaroos with your car. They hit a kangaroo with their car and go up to it. And uh, we see Duck go up to it with a knife and cut its testicles off and then just plop them right on into his pocket. Because it turns out that Duck likes to eat the testicles of kangaroo. Best bit of the roux, they say. And so now we know the nature of that kangaroo slop from earlier. (laughs) It's nard hash. Yes. That done, it's time to go drinking, which they do in expert style. They uh, they have all kinds of stuff about drinking and more shooting, of course, lots of shooting. Then after copious amounts of extra beer and whiskey is had, it is now time to go kangaroo hunting at night. This is the big scene. They've got the spotlight. It's just it's just horrific uh what is shown on screen what ted uh Kochef says was going to happen anyway and was in no way uh egged on by them um 
to the point that in order to get it to stop, they faked an electrical malfunction with their lighting and camera equipment to get the hunters to stop shooting. Really? Because like part of, yeah, part of the deal was they were like, all right, they're, we can shoot them in the heart. We can shoot them in the in the head. We can shoot them in the kidney. And this is the impact. And they were like, all right, well, can you do the one where you just shoot them and then they fall over dead instantly? And they're like, yeah, we could do that. And then these guys proceeded to get drunk and just shoot everything horrifically, um, which I imagine at the time Ted was just like, oh, man, this is going to be so good. I'm going to be such a good director for doing this. <laughs> Martin Scorsese is going to love this. Ah, cinema verite. Meanwhile, up to this point in the movie, I had been like, what the fuck is the plot? Like, where where is this movie going? And then you get to this, you're like, oh, okay, I guess this is where the movie's going. Um, so yeah, we're, we're seeing kangaroos recoiling in pain, stumbling around, trying to escape, uh, uh, just thrashing on the ground, slowly dying in the sand, and str some struggling to get away with their guts still dragging in the dust behind them. Uh, we even get like a close-up on, on a kangaroo forepaw to show how much it looks like a human hand. Yeah, um, that was rough. Then it's time for the actual kangaroo wrestling footage where they held a sick elderly kangaroo's tail while, uh, while the biggest Australian motherfucker in existence goes up and <laughs> tugs on its neck and hits it with a hat over and over again. Uh... uh then John gets his turn and wrestles a wounded Joey. He can't bring himself to slit its throat, so he just stabs it in the chest over and over again until it doesn't move. Yeah, ten times he, worse, fucking asshole. Yeah. <laughs> he drags the body back to the car while obviously not feeling entirely okay. Um, the boys are proud of him. He keeps drinking, and the camera focuses on a pile of of severed kangaroo upper torsos left in the dust, which is probably one of the most nightmarish visuals I've ever seen in my entire life. It's legitimately horrible. Yeah, they, they cut them all off at the rib cage because the bottom half is apparently where all of the good meat is. So there's just these these upper, like, rib cage and up kangaroo torso sticking up out of the sand like a prop, but then some of them you can, like, see down and like, oh... That's the most fucked up thing. Yeah, they're finger puppets. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> like they're going to boxing match a nun. <laughs> My God. <laughs> it's incredible the depths to which humanity can sink. Yes. You know, the so things sink. that people will do sink. that people will do for pleasure, I guess. Jesus, I don't... It's horrible. It's, uh, yeah. So anyways, the gang, uh, the gang returns to something that vaguely resembles civilization this <laughs> this sort of weird beer hut bar shack in the middle house of bar the, yeah it's it's like a house yeah. bar basically it's literally that yeah it's just a weird house that some guy lives in who just happens to have a huge bar so <laughs> uh to to herald their arrival they uh pelt the place with trash <laughs> and and just completely bombard the place and then get into a, a, like some shadow boxing and then some wrestling and then it gets more physical and then John punches Joe the giant and then Joe gets mad so he fucking maligns John and then 
they fall to the dust and they're fall the rolling around wrestle fighting. Uh, Doc goes ape shit and starts flipping tables over and smashing windows with a chair and just generally being an ass. And then the owner comes out and who apparently just noticed. I don't really understand, but <laughs> yeah. what the hell's going on out here? So he. <laughs> He grabs Doc and throws him off the the patio, whatever the deck the de- deck into the other two guys. So now all three of them are wrestling in the dust, and uh, you know just having a good old time. And yeah, <laughs> it's just Jesus good time Christ. with the lads. Just a ju- so and ball. Um, we we cut to sunrise <laughs> and uh, the sun is rising. Uh, Dick and Joe take off. Doc and John go back to Doc's poop shack, and um. They get inside, they're really fucking drunk. Like, just... <laughs> that kind of drunk. And then <laughs> Doc gets a hold of John's rifle and just starts shooting everywhere. He shoots out one of the lights. He He's just blowing yes. holes through the walls. It's just chaos. Um, and then when they're done with that, they get into some sort of weird play fight where they're like kind of play fighting the light is swinging back and forth doing that weird single overhead light thing and then they they end up on the ground kind of looking each other at this in this weird way and then it cuts to day and john wakes up on the floor covered in like crap just pressed pressed into his skin yeah. from laying on it and stuff and his pants are undone and you're like, wait a minute, am I, am I thinking what I'm thinking? And then Doc gets up and he's only wearing his undershirt, which thank thankfully covers his genitals. Yep. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say that Doc raped John overnight. I don't know if it was rape or if they just like fucked. They just because fucked. the last... The last thing that we saw before the before it faded to black was the two of them wrestling on the floor, yeah. looking into each other's eyes. Yeah. And then they wake up on the floor, basically spooning. That's true. That's uh, true. John's pants are down, and then and Doc has like some extra extra textury glisten on his chest, <sighs> if you'll notice. Can you imagine um waking up after that? Oh man, you're and it's on the gotta f- smell so good. Oh, you're on the floor in a shed with no air conditioning, where it's over a hundred degrees for like nine months of the year, with a guy who whose idea of showering is a barrel of water that he lets over his head a little bit every once in a every while. Every once in a while, <laughs> you and that guy just fucked each other in the ass. That's not a good time. So yeah, he wants he wants to feed you some kangaroo testicles before you go. <sighs> wow. So yeah, so he he gets up. Uh, uh, wow. Uh, it turns out <laughs> that uh, Doc tells John that Dick and Joe gifted him the twenty two rifle, which great, yeah. thanks. So he thanks. leaves, stumbles into town, um, where you know most people look sober, except he's just filthy. He's got blood on his sleeve. He's, he's yeah. disgusting. He stumbles into town. He's got a suitcase in one hand and a twenty-two rifle in the other. Uh, he, he goes to a pub, of course, and uh, Jock is there, who buys him more beers. Yes. And then decides he's going to search his suitcase. What's in the suitcase? Or whatever. Yeah. Um, and he's like, oh, just clothes and uh, 
books. <laughs> so he opens it up and, you know, he's, there's books right on the top and he's like, you're right, it's all books. <laughs> so, not that I didn't believe you or whatever the fuck. I don't know what that was about. That was strange. Yeah. So I guess because he's a teacher, they don't trust him. So, yeah, that was uh, okay. So great. John grabs all his shit and bails out of that place. Uh, probably a good call. But but what does he do? He goes out into the fucking bush and takes all his books out and just throws them in the desert because uh, he clearly doesn't need those anymore. Hitches a ride out into the middle of the fucking bush and then just gets out in the middle of nowhere. And they have one of those shots where like the heat is rising off the desert and he's, you see his kind of like his, his silhouette walking down the side of the road, like just dying. And then it cuts to him. It's a night shot. He, he shoots a, a rabbit and then he's sitting against some rock outcropping, eating the rabbit over like this twig fire that he's made. Yeah, It's really not a great plan. Um, the next day he gets another ride and ends up at this place called the Silverton Hotel, which is on Silverton Road, whatever the fuck that is. Uh, somebody, the driver offers him a drink, the driver who has one tooth, and mm-hmm. uh, he turns it down and the guy's pissed. Like, oh, he's so mad. He's so, he's like, what? <laughs> What's wrong with you? You won't drink with me. John has this little tirade where he's like. You know, like, what you can fuck each other in the ass, but if you turn down a beer or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love how upset that guy gets. He's like, wow, why? I like his resolution, the driver, that, that clearly it's because John is insane. That's, yeah. That's why he doesn't want to drink with the one-tooth wonder. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, wow, that was, uh, that's something. So... John uh, goes, there's, you know, of course there's a bar. He goes to the bar and uh, there's a bunch of people drinking. He, he's, there's a truck parked out front and it's the, the home address on the truck is Sydney. So he kind of like hollers out, Hey, who owns the truck? And you hear someone wants to know. And so he goes (laughs) over and runs into the guys like really skinny dude, hanging out with an Aboriginal dude. And uh, he tries to like orchestrate some sort of, you know, he wants to get a ride back to Sydney, but he says the city. Uh, he All he has is a dollar, and the guy's like, well, two dollars will do it. And he's like, well, I only have one dollar. Well, that's all right. Two dollars will be fine. And he's like, okay, I don't have two dollars. I only have one. But two dollars will be perfect. So he, <laughs> he trades him his twenty-two rifle for a ride, so the guy has him ride in the back. And yeah. they ride... You know, and then the truck stops. He lets the guy, the guy lets John out. John gets out back in Yaba. Back in the Yaba. <laughs> Return to the Yaba. And he's like, I thought you were taking me to Sydney. And the guy's like, oh, You said the city. Yaba's a city. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally brutal. Uh, yeah. So then John has a, uh, a horrible. No, he gives him. He gives him the rifle back. He gives he's like, oh, right. fine. You can have the rifle yeah. back because satisfaction guaranteed. Here's a refund. <laughs> like he really wants the rifle back. Yeah. And we see John have this insane nightmare montage flashback of like everybody having sex with Jeanette, uh, violence, rue killing, insanity, drinking, his girlfriend at the beach. Uh, laughing yokels, more room murder, and then this amazing shot of Donald Pleasance with the coins over his eyes. 
with yeah. the like crosses on them, which is a real famous uh, shot. Uh, and, you know, as a symbol for death, which I thought was kind of cool. A person with the coins over their eyes. So, yeah, he, John's not doing real good. So yeah. he, he uh, runs back out to that house bush pub. Um, yeah. He's got his rifle and uh, he basically runs into the place. He's ready to shoot whoever. Um, he holes up in like the corner and basically sits there with the gun pointing at the door. And then I guess he passes out at some point because no one shows up. And then Doc comes walking in. Oh, no, 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 that's right. He, he, no, he plans to shoot. He, he wants to shoot whoever. He's got the gun pointed at the doorway. Then he, it, it's Doc's shed. So he, he went there to kill Doc. Oh, that's right. And then he puts the, yeah. he puts the barrel of the rifle to his own head and he's yeah. just kind of like, you know, should I? And then maybe just kill myself a little. <laughs> Doc walks in and boom. And then we cut to John. He's in the hospital. I mean, we cut to the hospital and John's in it. <laughs> There's a doctor there. He's got his head all bandaged up. I guess he probably just grazed himself. Um, Jock shows up, of all people, with this ridiculous note that, that absolves you know, jock or the Yabba of any guilt, you know, it's like yeah. <laughs> of any responsibility. It's just this ridiculous, like, and then I shot myself by accident. <laughs> yeah. Is that how it was, John? <laughs> yeah. Sign here. And he does. Jock pisses off. And then John gets up, leaves the hospital, and Doc just basically walks up behind him. And they start talking, and Doc makes some crack about, you know, you're probably the only person who whoever missed at three inches distance or something like that <laughs> yeah um, he takes john to the train station boards him on a train to get him the fuck out of yaba um, yeah and then uh he's on the train it's the same crew of goons i think drinking on like apparently that's all they do uh, drinky songs on they, the train yeah they toss john a beer he takes it this time uh he gets off at tabunda he yeah. comes across charlie the the sole adult in Tibunda. I don't know. The guy yep. who runs everything. And uh, Charlie's like, he's got that knowing smile on his face, which I love. And he's like, do you have a good holiday? And John goes, <laughs> the best. <laughs> then we get this big overhead shot and movie over. Oh, man. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> oh, fuck, dude. This movie is wretched but like there are scenes in it where like the instant you see it it's like seared into your brain the the visual styling of this movie is immaculate the 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 lighting the the framework all of it the the blocking is incredible it's it's i can see why it was you know so highly sought after like the the original edit because like this movie's great it's a fantastic film. I mean, it's really, as far as film is concerned, is very well made. Um, it's beautiful, and and this this cut of it is amazing. You know, that, yeah. that it's it's just incredible what they can do now with this stuff. I mean, you know, this was, you know, this guy must have found like several reels somewhere of, of like God knows what condition the acetate was in, and you know that that. They got that stuff scanned, you know, duplicated and then so on and so forth. But now it's been given that digital treatment and it's pristine. I mean, the yeah, the sound is incredible. The The picture is beautiful. Uh, 
everything has this weird yellowy tinge to it, you know, because of the bright sunlight. Uh, even his suit is yellow. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just incredibly well made. Uh, but yeah, but man, is it daunting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. So, like, one of one of the big uh, topics that I think that it's possibly tackling is it's you know we're coming back to it, but toxic masculinity because this is just constantly men trying to one-up each other, trying to impress each other, trying like trying to see if the other men around them are impressed with them. Uh, like, there, we didn't mention it, but there's a scene where Doc is doing a headstand and drinking beer while upside down and explaining the science of it to the other people who are making weird Perry Mason jokes and... Uh, and uh, just it all throughout it, it's just all one-upsmanship and and bro feelings and ah, uh, and it's just it. You can see it like whenever he has to go fight the Joey, he's just like, oh, I can't believe this. Why? <laughs> yeah, there's this weird, there's this weird quality that that men can get where they're around each other, where they just they just have to keep pushing each other further and further and further to try to figure out where the limit is. And mm -hmm. invariably, you're going to find that fucking limit. And then when they do, they're always traumatized. You know, they're always yeah. like, well, I, I, I mean, we didn't mean for him to die. It's like, look, yeah, you didn't mean for him to die, but you just you just kept pushing him to drink 90 beers in a day or whatever. Like, but that's yeah. but that is how men are. Not all men, but they're that men can very much be that way. And you know that depiction of that, and it, um, in this movie is dead on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, these these are the kind of men that, like, if you have done something before and then you're gonna do it for the first time, they're gonna call it popping your cherry. <laughs> That's right. I mean, God, the the amount of beer that they drink is just oh. unreal. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Th there's a scene. This is this is the old '70s beer cans where you pull the whole tab out, and there's a scene where a guy is making an enormous <laughs> necklace out of those pulled beer tabs just from that session. Like that's the one where you just see piles of beer cans everywhere, and and Jeanette finally gave up trying to clean them up. She's like, "No, there's no point anymore." <laughs> yeah, there there was probably a hundred beer cans laying all over the living room. Yeah, looked great. Oh my god. <laughs> And then they make they turn it into a garland and wrap it around the Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah. There's a great scene where, where when John first walks into the place where they're having the gambling, uh, when he walks in there and the, there's the sign on the wall that says bar closes at, or pub closes at, at 630 or whatever. And you he walks in and the guy's like, hey, we're closed. And the whole place yeah. is just pandemonium inside, drinking, screaming and everything. And he's like, oh, OK, I'm sorry. And then he kind of is like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I want to make my argument for why okay. this isn't a horror movie. I feel like in order to qualify as a horror movie, it has to portray a horrific thing that's not actually happening. There's a murder, but no one actually gets murdered. There, There's uh, an act of violence is committed, and there are special effects applied in order to not actually have that violent act be committed. This doesn't have that. There, there, there are no special effects, practical or otherwise. It's just the the part of the movie that would do that is just actual footage of 
kangaroos being massacred. I mean, I could be wrong. There, there, there. I'm sure there are horror movies out there that don't adhere to that. But generally, for it to be a horror movie, like like one of one of my grading criteria is mm-hmm. the technical horror element. Like how how did they apply movie movie magic in a way to achieve uh, a horrific thing and this one yeah. it doesn't have that so that that's that's the fullness of my article <laughs> or argument uh, yeah argument thank you no i i mean you're absolutely right in that i mean they don't they yeah there are no effects in this movie at all um it's pretty natural you know as far as the way it's been shot um obviously there's scenes where you can tell they brought lights in because the lighting is extremely harsh but uh yeah but beyond that i mean it's just you know get a boom mic and just just cut everybody loose yeah i think in that respect i mean if if that if you're looking at it from that you know perspective yes it's definitely not a horror film and it is kind of a fine line because i remember uh there was some sort of debate that i remember reading online about the movie um I can't remember. It's based on a Dennis Lehane novel where it's like all these cops in Boston and someone has killed a kid and it's, you know, it's a member of the community that's killed the kid. And it's it's horrific because it's about child murder and all this stuff. And there was this debate online that I was reading where, you know, some people were saying it was a horror film and other people were like, it's not a horror film, it's a crime film. You know, people were like, but yes, but this is horrific. And they're like, all kinds of shit is horrific. It doesn't mean it's a horror film. You know, I mean, there's lots of movies that have horrible things in them, but they're not necessarily horror films. They, I don't think they set out with the intention of making this a horror film. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a drama or a thriller even maybe, um, yeah. a suspense. I, I mean, it's, there's nothing supernatural about it. There's, as you said, there's no special effects. There's, you know, it's it's kind of a like a, a depiction of real life kind of thing. And, you know, much in the way that, that, say, a movie like Deliverance is considered a horror film, even though it's it's really not. But then again, how does what sets this movie apart from, say, The Last House on the Left? Well, that one's got mutants in it, doesn't it? Yeah. But like yeah, but, mutants will do it. But like one of those rapey revenge movies where you know, it's there's nothing supernatural. Obviously, there's makeup effects in a movie like that, but um, you know, but but as far as what they're depicting, it's just people being besieged or whatever. You know, it's but those are definitely well, and also there's films. killing in those movies. Yeah, that's true. That's true. At, at, like they're they're portraying you know like like oh a revenge killing or whatever, and and it doesn't happen. You know, they'll they'll glide a knife along a neck and then there will be fake blood there or something. I mean, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. It's tough, I guess, because there isn't really an agreed on uh, definition of what makes a horror film. I mean, to me, a horror film is something that you find horrifying. So for you, it might be a horror film. It may not necessarily be regarded as such or, you know, presented that way. It, in that respect, this movie for me is very much a horror film. I, I think there's a lot of arguments to be made that it's not a horror film. People who hate horror films would probably be willing to, well, I don't know if they'd be willing to watch this. They might be willing to watch it, but they'd probably regret (laughs) it later. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's very art house. So I I think there's a lot of, like there's a lot of this movie that would appeal to people that don't like horror movies. It's just so fucking horrific. (laughs) 
Yeah, that, I mean, it's 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 about the character. It's not about horrible things. I mean, he he does get stuck in this town over and over again, but there's never any indication or implication that you know there's something nefarious at work. He just gets stuck there. You know, it's yeah. it's you're out in the middle of fucking nowhere, and people tend to gravitate towards one another, and so this is the closest thing to a city that they. I mean, they have a hospital there somewhere. Um, yeah. So you know, he just keeps ending up there, and uh, you know, it's it's a character study. I mean, like this guy gets stuck in these horrible situations, and it doesn't have. It's not a morality play, um, although obviously there's some messages in there about mass yeah. masculinity and and you know isolation and uh, education and class and all those kinds of things are kind of addressed. But it's you have to kind of also consider what they're trying to depict, which is Australian culture. And Australia is, you know, it was a penal colony and it's still tied to the, to the crown, but it's, but it's got its own identity. And, you know, they, when you think about a place like the Outback, it's obviously compared a lot to the American West, which is this place where it's almost lawless and, you know, where weird people go because they could be as weird as they want to be. And, you know, and those things are probably true, but it's also just a very isolated and difficult place to live in. And, you know, there's there's certain types of business that happen out there, like mining or whatever. And so there's yeah. there's reasons for people to, you know, be out there based on commerce. And, you know, it takes a certain kind of person to live in a place like that. And and it's none of that has anything to do with a horror film. It's just weirdness of, you know, the extremes of life, really. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I guess in that respect, yeah, I, I guess it's not it, it. I don't think it was made to be a horror film. I view it as one or at least I think it's fair to to review it as one. Um, but. I, I, yeah, it's not like, it's not like Freddy Krueger <laughs> is a horror film. Yeah. Freddy Krueger is a horror film first and foremost. I mean, you could make the argument that it's a comedy. You could, you know, it's social commentary, um, you know, that kind of stuff. But, uh, but it's a horror film. This movie, I yeah. guess, in that respect is not. So I don't know. I mean, I guess you're right. Yeah. I mean, it definitely backs its way into, into the, the horror sphere of film but but i i think on the nose it doesn't i wouldn't qualify it as a horror movie but i mean but. I, I guess if i was going to defend calling it a horror movie i mean that the fact that he does keep finding himself stuck in this town i mean it's the implication yeah. like i had said it's not that it's supernatural but you could also make that argument that why you know there's something more at work that's drawing this man back into this town against his will um you know, is it a psychological thing or is it really, is it something external or is it just coincidence? Um, you know, you could look at that several different ways and I'm sure people do. Uh, of course, then there's the whole argument that white people shouldn't be there at all, that that's all Aboriginal land. And, you know, like any torture that any white person endures out there is, is deserved. <laughs> Speaking of horror, have you been watching uh, The Last of Us? Definitely one of the better shows that's come out in quite some time. It's fantastic. It's really good. I was I was not looking forward to it. Yeah. I figured it was just going to be more Walking Dead. Yeah. yeah. But then it was good. Mm -hmm. It was like, fuck yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, my daughter sold me on it. She's like, I really want to watch it. So I was like, all right, well, we'll I'll watch it with her because she wants to watch it. And 
oh, like, wow, this is just like the game. First of all, like the first, the first episode for sure was basically the game. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It, it, uh, it feels, you know, there's a lot of nods to the video game, which they did on purpose, but it's also very much a TV show that you don't have to know anything about the game to watch the show and, and totally appreciate it. And it's good. It's really well done. It's well acted. They have good people. The effects are awesome. (laughs) Yeah. It's looking forward to see where it goes. Yeah, I'm thumbs up on it all the way around. Apparently, it's two thirds of the way through the season. Yeah, I think there's nine total or something. Yeah, we're at six out of nine. Yeah, yeah. I don't know any so, other horror stuff you saw. Oh well, let's let's do our ratings uh, first, I guess, huh? Okay, yeah. So I I gave it a two point nine out of five. The that <clears throat> that two point nine almost exclusively came came out of the the artistry, the technical movie making, and the enjoyability of it, where it uh, it got huge knocks. It was the only movie I've ever given a zero to in the technical horror column, because there were no technical horror elements in this movie that I could that I could see. So yeah, two point now out of five. Loathsome things. That said, a much higher score if I was rating it on a non loathsome things scale i fortunately i'm way too fucking lazy to have actual concrete criteria (laughs) for my ratings so i pretty much just wing it based on my overall impression of the film i i love this movie um it's it's got a soft you know even knowing what's in it it's difficult um i i'm not a fan of animals being harmed for any reason other than you know to eat maybe um, and I and I'm perfectly willing to entertain the argument that that's not the best idea either. But um, yes, but killing animals for sport, yeah. I, I'm completely against that. I, and I think it's disgusting. There's no reason for it. It's it's like shooting fish in a barrel for people. It's, it's just too easy for us to do that. Um, you know, if you want to fight, you want to fight something that you know, show some animal how cool you are. Then go get the predator. You know. <laughs> Something that wants to fight back, you know, (laughs) that end can. Um, So, I mean, having said all that, I still, I still do love this movie. I, I do have some serious problems with the the violence in it. I don't need to see that for this film to be effective for me, but it does add something specific to this film that I hope I don't see in any others. I won't watch Cannibal Holocaust because I know what's in it and I'm not going to watch it. Um, I've already seen this one and yeah. I do I do have a soft spot for this movie and I maybe I'm being full of shit when and you know telling myself that I'm justifying it because it was something that was going to happen anyway. I, I recognize that. Um, and I'm open to that criticism. But I mean having said that, I gave it a 4 anyway. I love this movie. Um, as far as the performances yeah. and the the depth of what they're depicting, you know, the 70s was uh, an amazing time for film. I mean, uh, modern cinema really came into its own in the 70s. I mean, it was probably born with Citizen Kane, but it really exploded in the 70s where, you know, you had just just all kinds of movies that were, you know, deeply transgressive at the time and, and still hold out as being transgressive movies like this. And this is very much a 70s film in that respect. Um but it also has a kind of timelessness that I really like. And the other thing I like about it is it shows it shows you an element of, for, for, at least for Americans, of America of foreign culture that I know I knew nothing about. You know, I mean, I've seen movies shot in in the bush, and 
you know, movies that are set in the outback. And I've seen TV shows about that area. And I kind of have an idea for what that, you know, part of the world is like. But this was a whole different take on it that, you know, is kind of closer to the way I would have imagined it to be out there. Like, yeah. Like, I'm in no rush to go out there because I just know I'm going to be taken on some fucking kangaroo hunt, you know? And Yeah, I don't want to do that. And they might as well just shoot me because I'm not going to take part in that, you know? Like, that's that's how, that's how I feel about it. But yeah, I gave it a four. I love this movie. It's, it's, it's difficult, though. Yeah, it's a challenge. So that's a... Uh, 6.9 out of 10. It's uh, uh, Is it the widest that we've ever, like our ratings have ever ranged? Ooh, I don't know. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to go back and look at our spreadsheet that we <laughs> keep like a nerd. But uh, it, it's definitely, that's, that's up there. That's uh, uh, a full point, 1.1 point of difference. Uh, so that's that's got to be one of our top contentious ones. I think so. Yeah. What 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 others were there? I don't remember. But this this is I probably up there. I, yeah. I could not tell you. Yeah. It's. I mean, it, and we both liked it, so it's not yeah. even like yeah. Like, and I we, don't even we need to find a movie where I'm like, I think this movie's trash. And you're like, well, I think this movie's great. Fuck you. I mean, we had one with Sarah Michelle Gellar in it, and I figured that you would just give it a five because she was in it, and then I wouldn't. Uh, I could totally just give it, you know, like whatever I thought that I know what you did last summer would get, like a two yeah. or whatever, and we could argue about that. But no, you you recognize that that movie was a bucket of shit. That movie's trash. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. Did you hear they're making another one? Oh, that makes sense. I mean, they made a TV show out of it, too. I like, know. It was yeah. a bomb, too. Yeah, it's because yeah. the Scream franchise is still going. They're still making Scream movies, and it's like, okay, that's fine, I guess. I may be the only man on the planet, or person on the planet, I just don't like the Scream movies. They don't, well, the ones that I've seen, I'll put it that way, one and two. I watched one and two, didn't do it for me, and I had no reason to watch the rest. Yeah, yeah, I I, I watched a, a more recent one, um, the the one that was new last summer, uh, and uh, it With was Jenna okay. Ortega, that one? No, I think it was, maybe, I don't know. At the time, I didn't know who Jenna Ortega was, so if she was in there, I just don't remember. But it was the one where they finally killed off uh, fucking Courtney Cox's husband. Oh. Uh, whatever. John, David Arquette. David Arquette, that's right, yeah. Yeah. John Lear Arquette. <laughs> John Lear Arquette. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, it was okay. Um, but uh, let's see. Other things. So I watched The Strays mm-hmm. on Netflix, which was fucking awesome. Is it? I was, I was very surprised. I wasn't expecting that movie to be as uh, uh, whew, uh, fraught with peril and awesomeness. Uh, it, it. They just added it, right? I forget what it is, though. So it's uh it's about this this woman who um she's she's a black woman uh, her husband's white their their children are mixed race and they're in a very white community she's like an important mom at a private school and then all of a sudden like one day her her daughter comes home and she's got cornrows and her her son has been hanging out with the black janitor and she starts getting like really really like obsessed with these black people that are showing up around oh. her children and and then it just all kinds of kind of blows up and turns into this whole thing. And the ending is amazing. Oh, wow. Oh, I'm going to watch that yeah. today. That's awesome. Yeah. 
It's fucking good. Yeah. Wow. Also, I watched Infinity Pool. Mm. Have you seen it? No, I need to. It's it's very good. It's uh, Is it did you like it better than Possessor? Oh, wow, what a question. Um <laughs> It's such a different film from Possessor. I would say I liked Possessor more purely than I did okay. this one, but this one you're not supposed to enjoy it as much. Like they they made Mia Goth as sexually horrific and unlovely to look at as possible in certain scenes. Like like you're going to see the most uncomfortable tuggy sequence you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> And also just just her, like, on the hood of a car, screaming and making herself as ugly as possible. And it is incredible. And then the movie ends with a bunch of Brandon Cronenberg imposter syndrome self-meta-commentary. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. It's really fucking cool. I, uh... Who was it that that sold me on it? Like, I knew it was going to be good. I've had friends tell me it was good. And I know I was going to watch it anyway. I mean, I didn't need anybody to tell me. But then, was it Vanessa McKee? That's uh, Lucky McKee's sister. I think think that's that's his wife. Is it his wife? I think so. Is that what it is? Okay. She's an artist, and she's she's a visual artist, and she's really good. And she had mentioned that, because, like, her movie recommendations tend to be pretty good. And she recommended it, and I was like, okay, I know it's going to be good then. But, um... But anyways, yeah, now that you're recommending, I'm like, okay. Because I know, you know, like, I know where you're coming from when you're describing movies, obviously. Yeah. So it's like, okay, this is going to be good. Yeah. Oh, man, that's good. Did you see anything else? No, that that's that's really been it. I, I will say, if when you watch Infinity Pool, just recognize that at a certain point, you might start rolling your eyes and be like, oh, okay. Yeah, this, but that's supposed to be part of the experience. Nice. I like now, it. What about you? What's new with you in your viewing world? I haven't finished it, but I've been watching the movie Nocebo on oh. Shudder with uh, Eva Green and uh, Mark Strong plays her husband. And then there's a, it's like a joint British slash Filipino production. Nice. Um, she's a fashion designer and lives with her husband. They have money. They have a daughter who's really annoying. And uh, this woman shows up, a Filipino woman who's tiny. She's like five foot tall. And uh, she's like, hey, hello, Christine. I am your new housekeeper that you had advertised for that she never advertised for. Nice. The woman is probably suffering from, I guess she's suffering from Lyme disease because she um, had been bitten. You know, she got it from a tick. So the... The, she has memory issues and so when this woman shows up at her door she's kind of like oh i guess i did yes that's right i did but she has no memory of it <laughs> yeah well the woman is like some sort of you know like a bruja like a curandera or something so she has magical powers and obviously has some nefarious uh uh intentions with the family and uh i'm about two-thirds of the way through and so far it's really good i really nice. enjoy it um that was really good i uh I'm part of the uh, Amazon preview thing where they say every once in a while they'll send you like early, like an, the first episode of a new show and you can, you can like give them your commentary and stuff. And they'll, oh, cool. Yeah. And of course you have to sign an, an NDA, so I can't say what it is. Yeah. But, um, or at least I can't talk about what's in it, but uh, I, I'm just going to say, I saw the first season of that show. It's on Amazon prime and I, it was Okay. But this episode, this first season, I mean, this first episode of the second season, it's like an, it's kind of like American Horror Story in that it's an anthology series. Um, 
the show is called Them. Oh. Uh, the 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 first season is about an African American family that moves to Los Angeles in like the early '60s or something like that. And of course, everybody in the neighborhood is ragingly racist, and nice. there's some sort of weird supernatural subtext. I didn't finish the season because I didn't really get into it too much. Yeah. Um, and then I got set this this preview is the first episode for the second season, and all I'll say so that I don't get sued is. Um, it's fucking great. Oh, like, very it's, cool. It's one of the best uh, single episodes of television, particularly in horror, that I've seen ever. It's wow. really good. Wow, yeah. nice. I'm like, man, what? I don't know what they changed, but because it's the same screenwriter and everything, but man, it is great. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that now, yes. Yeah, hopefully I didn't just compromise myself, but um, I don't <laughs> no. think I gave anything away, right? It's just no? really good. That just drummed up more interest in it instantly, because now I went from, I didn't even know it existed, much less did I care, to now, like, I would like to see that, yes, please. <laughs> it is, it's going to be great, I think. I, I mean, if it's anything like the rest of the season is anything like that, it's going to be unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen any other horror stuff. Uh, well, yeah, I did, but it was shit, and I'm not even going to bring it up. I've been reading some horror books, and, uh, you know, let's see, what's good? Eh, it doesn't matter. That's about it. Yeah, nice. <laughs> well, you can reach out to us in all the places. Uh, keep listening. Keep watching all of the horror movies and supporting your favorite horror movie makers. And uh, only do good things to kangaroos. Absolutely be nice to Ruse, and don't forget, we're sorry that you all have to drink beer in the Yabba. <laughs>